Hallelujah. I'm so glad that you made a habit to come to church today. And if you're in the morning Christian education hour, we're going through habits. And it is the little things, the little systems in our life that add up over time. So, if you get up a little bit earlier on Sundays, you can be there also. I encourage you not to miss next week. You know, I, I'm I'm so excited of our church family and just the things that are, uh, you know, going on. And I know that everybody isn't into everybody's business, but just let me tell you this: there, there's some wonderful things taking place in our church, just in people's life, and uh, we're, we're seeing some things that are on the horizon. Uh, I know that Bruno and Lovey are pretty excited. They. <laughs> They're going to be introduced to the twins that uh, are expected soon, and uh, they've been anticipating that for a little, uh, maybe about nine months. What do you think? And uh, God's doing some great things, and I'm glad you're a part of our community and our family. Uh, This morning, let's just open up in prayer as we're in the series 90. And it's a journey through the life of Jesus to, to Easter uh, from when he was introduced um, on the earth to the time that he was crucified and resurrected and ascended into heaven on Easter. But let's just pray for today's portion of the journey. Father, thank you for sending your son into the world. And Father, we are changed. God, we're here because of him and what he did for us. Father, let us never take for granted, God, what He has done for all of us to pay the ultimate price. Today, as we are reminded of Your love and Your grace in our life, God, help us to to keep our, our hearts open and flexible to what You have for us. God, that we might apply and, and, and have the, the revelation that God, Paul talked about to the Ephesians, that we might know You even more. And the God that we might become aware of our identity, that we have the power of God, the same power that raised him from the dead. God, we thank you for that. In your name we pray. Amen. This morning as we're in 90, you know, we kind of can look back just for a minute and think about some things that have taken place in history in the Word of God that we've already covered in we talked about John the Baptist, and last week we talked about the disciples and making the decision that would change their life. That they, they really weren't aware of it, but and they didn't know how much was at stake just by Peter saying, okay, you can use my boat. And then later, okay, I'll push out into the deep and, and getting the great catch of fish. And, and in that, realizing that he wasn't just in the midst of a teacher, but he was in the midst of God. Um. You know, if you're here this morning and and you have kind of gotten away from God, or or even if you're in a place of kind of fear or maybe doubt, maybe even to the point of unbelief, and maybe through your life you kind of maybe come to question the Word of God, and we're going to be talking about that today. But even if maybe you're here today and you have somebody in your life, uh, you know, you know, it's it, it's it's becoming more and more common to see people that 
that grow up in the church, young people, and they go off to college and they come back with questions and they say, you know, I, I don't really understand and the confusion and the legalism and the gracelessness that, that accompanies them by the teaching of somebody that might not even know God, but they've received it as truth. This morning, if, if you've done that or if you know somebody, this message is for you. And I, I want to encourage you to, to again, begin to, to process what you hear from the Word of God. That sometimes we get in the habit of going to church and we just come and we go, yep, yep, yep. And it's good because, let me tell you, it's never our intention, never our intention to do anything but the truth. But it doesn't mean that somebody isn't somewhere going to face something that you never questioned before. And the first time you question, you go, no, I never thought of it that way. And the enemy comes in and just a little doubt comes into your mind and you begin to think about it, think about it. This morning, my hope is as we go through the Word of God, that, that again, you, you reason, you understand what is being said. When we talk about Jesus coming and what we've talked in the last few weeks is Jesus came not just to bring something new to the world, but for the world. There's a difference. And He wasn't just coming and dropping off something, but He was coming for the world to give the world a revelation and something that would change them forever if they would just believe and receive it. And as I prayed, that's why we're here this morning, that a lot of us that are here have received that. And you think about it, when you think about the early church and what I mean by the early church is those people that were there and followed the ascension when Jesus went into heaven and a new era started of his teachings. It was against all odds that what would happen would spread and spread and spread even to taking over the world. Here's a ragtag group of Men and women, there's blue collar, white collar, educated, uneducated, and all these people that have followed Jesus for these three years and they begin to hear things and receive things. And they have the audacity to begin saying that the ultimate sacrifice for man's sins had been completed. Just outside the walls of Jerusalem. If you read the book of Acts, and, and we talked about this in previous series of how Paul goes and he begins to talk to the Greeks and they're going, what? And Paul says, it just happened. The audacity of a group of people that, that some think didn't even have the education to write the Bible. I mean, here's these people and they have the audacity to say that it's happened. It, it changed religion, not only for the Jewish people, but for the Greeks the Romans that would, you know, the pagans would even sacrifice animals to their gods out of fear that they had done something wrong. And, and it was, as you know, as an atonement for sin. But now these group of people called disciples, they don't even call Christians at this point, are spreading this word that something has happened and, and now it's a new day. It's not something of Jesus didn't come for part two. Or to add on, but to bring something brand new to man that was going to change the way that men looked at their God from then on. Now, now think about this. From the time that Jesus left until this became such an epidemic that spread throughout the world. It was 347 years. 
In 380 AD, the emperor Theodosius I made an edict of Thessalonica that declared, listen to this, they declared that Christianity now was the official religion of the Roman Empire. Constantine was 313. It was some years earlier. He was the first Christian empire, or the Christ, first Christian emperor. But then we see in 380 AD, this emperor comes and he makes an edict that says, now from now on, the Roman government will worship Christ. Now, now think about that. 347 years. These are a group of disciples that do, they don't have an army. They don't have really a government at this point. They don't, they don't have territory that they're coming against the Roman Empire. They have just witnessed and experienced something that now, 347, just 347 years later, has changed the world. The comments that Peter made last week, and yes, get, that, that now I see you as, as rabbi, the teacher, the, the, the son of God. Do you know that probably nobody was more amazed probably looking back than John the Baptist that was in the water baptizing people and then when Jesus came down, remember we talked about that the first week? He said, look. He said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away, who picks up and carries off the sins of the world. Can you imagine John the Baptist thinking 347 years that what he was talking about and who he was talking about would become the official religion of the whole Roman Empire. It was unthinkable. This morning, when we think that when we get to that point in 347 years later, how in the world could such a way of living change so much? You know, all these pagan temples and you know you know one time when Gwen and I had been in Italy and and I kind of liked dropping that that I was in Italy mainly for Lisa but anyway that when we were in Italy I, I was we would go to these different places and and we would look at these uh beautiful sites and and almost all of them were churches and we'd say you know uh, or I did I said Where, where's a villa and, and the person that was taking us, the tour guide, around and showing it, she said, really, there's not a whole lot of villas left. And we said, why? Because they would take the beautiful marble and, and the, the craftsmanship that were in these different pagan temples and Roman temples, and they would repurpose them in the church. They would, they would take what was the best for these Roman dignitaries and nobility and, and they would tear down the, the Roman temples and they would bring the very best of the land over and now create a temple for God, a church. And, and come on now, just for a minute, because we live 2,000 some years later, that sometimes we get caught up in the fact of history and we think, yeah, yeah, yeah. But think of how absurd that was for a group of people, the disciples, to begin to work in a place of just telling the good news to people and it began to spread. And, and that's where we start this morning. I, I want you to look at Luke chapter 4. In Luke chapter 4 verse 14, as we talk about how Jesus is now going into ministry, and, and it says this, News about Him spread throughout the whole countryside. 
So it's, again, like a virus spreading. People are going, did you, did you hear about Jesus? Did you hear about the Galilean? He's down there and he's doing this. And what, what, have you heard of him? Have you seen him? You've got to go. You've got to go. He changed my life. He healed my son. He healed my daughter. It says news about him began to spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. But here's what I want you to know is a lot of people were seeing him and praising him, not as the son of God, but they were seeing it and praising him because of his deeds as a teacher or as a prophet. They they were seeing him as an extension of something old. You know, part of the old way of doing things. But they still were saying, wow, this is something amazing. If you look at Luke chapter 7, verse 16, is a lot of times Matthew, Mark, and Luke are parallel passages of Scripture, or I should say the synoptic Gospels, which is really a big word of saying that they are parallel, a little bit different than the book of John is. But if you look then at Luke chapter 7, verse 16, they say, a great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help His people. But let me tell you, he was a lot more than something of an extension of the old. He was more. He was going to bring something new. And through the teachings of Jesus, it's almost like he's leaving breadcrumbs. You know what I mean? Just little hints. Hey, this is something new. You remember the old commercial, this isn't your father's Buick anymore? Anybody remember that? Because I remember thinking, hey, I never drove a Buick. What it was referring to is there was something new. And this is what Jesus is saying. I'm I'm not going to be an extension of what you think. And all of a sudden he begins to introduce and he gets more and more deep into the upside down, not of this world message. And a lot of people hear it and they begin to say, you know, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't what we thought. Now, a lot of us have heard it a lot of times as a Sermon on the Mount, even in our Christian education. In the last Christian education, Gwen did a, 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 a teaching on the, uh, the uh, Sermon on the Mount. And we just call it that. Jesus didn't get up and say, okay, today my title is Sermon on the Mount. And a lot of theologians believe that this was an ongoing message that it was continuous. He would go to different areas and begin to teach the same message over and over. And, and when you hear it, you begin to go, yeah, yeah, I've heard that before. When he says this in Luke chapter 6, verse 28, Blessed are you who are poor. What now? People were listening to that going, wait, 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 just a minute. We always assumed that if you were poor, you were out of favor with God. That, that's something new. What, what, how, are, how is that working? Because we always thought that the people that are blessed are, are the only people that are blessed are the rich. Like our patriarchs, Abraham and David and Solomon. Sometimes there was a swing and then going back the other way since then that you have to be poor to be righteous. But at this point they were saying, wait just a minute, that doesn't line up. And Jesus says, for yours is the kingdom of God. See, they thought they were left out. And when they're hearing this, they're going, wait, wait just a minute. That's not what we've heard. And all of a sudden, there's there's a conflict of what they've been told and what he is saying. And I, I just got a feeling that the, the people that were out into the, the what we call the, the wilderness part of it, they weren't in the Jerusalem area, or they were in the countryside. I, I'm sure that if you could paint a picture, if they were sitting down on a chair, they were inching up closer and closer and putting their hands at the teacher's more. 
He said the meek would inherit. And the merciful was blessed. Peacemakers are the people to be and not the people that take it by force. And then he says pure, the pure in heart. They're the people that you want to be because they're going to see God. And then he begins to say things that I, I, I know had to be they had to go, you know, looking at the, the crowd, there had to be a lot of people going like this. Hey, 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 call on me. Because here's what he said next. If you have your Bibles, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 and 14, and then in 16, he says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And what? The? Call on me, Jesus, because we've been told that we have nothing to do with the world. We don't, we don't associate with those people. It goes on to say in verse 35, it says, or I'm sorry, in verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others. What? Others? Non-Jews? It says that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Glorify Him? We don't want others, we don't want those pagans, those, those Gentiles glorifying our God. We want them to be Fearful of our God, like back in Joshua's time. See, see, we, we don't associate, we don't let our children marry their children. We, we don't get, we don't, what do you mean salt of the earth, light of the, what? See, for us that are Gentiles that live thousands of years later, we, we just read this and we don't understand. The first listeners to this message are going, this is going against what we believe. But it's so good. Come on. Tell us some more. And then he begins to get into, come on now, this isn't Moses. I'm not Moses. I'm not the prophets. See, you were looking for a Masonic uh, Savior to come into the world to make another kingdom of this world, but I'm not here to do that. See, the enemy has been tempting me back in the wilderness Maybe a few weeks, maybe a maybe a months ago, about me setting up my own kingdom, and if I would just worship him, that he could give me the kingdom. It's not about me. I'm doing something new here. And about the time that they begin, I, I just wondered to get on their ear, and they begin to go, "Wait just a minute." It's almost like he says something that brings a little bit of ease to the traditional way of thinking. He says this, Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. See, the law and the prophets is what they really called what we called the Old Testament. See, it wasn't until, uh, I believe it's around 130 AD that Christians actually be called, began calling it the Old Testament. But before then, it was the law and the prophets. He says, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. What he's saying is, change is coming. See, I'm not coming really to change it, edit it. I'm coming to bring something brand new. To the world. Now this morning, this, this went against what they had been taught, what they believed. 
And all of a sudden, just like sometimes us that, that have been in the Word of God and we've been studying the Word of God and we've been hearing what other people are saying about the Word of God, this is where the confusion starts hitting it. And we start going. He says, I've come to fulfill. Listen, he's saying, I'm bringing something new. If it's an assignment, I'm coming to complete it. If it was a math problem, I'm coming to solve it. If it was a plane, I'm here to land it. It's going to be done. Finished. That's why I'm here. I'm here to fulfill the law and the prophets. See, the value system of the old way has an expiration life. And it's about ready to expire. Now again, when we have been taught something as a church or even as a, a universal church, we begin to go, what? And this might be something new for you. It says in the next passage in verse 18, for truly I tell you until heaven and earth disappear. Now catch this. Heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter from the stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law. And I'm sure they went, ah, oh, good. And I'm wondering if Jesus didn't smile. And say one of the most overlooked prepositions in the Word of God. And he said, until. This has been left out so much. And, and again, what is common knowledge to somebody that's been in the Word of God. I, I sometimes have to understand that everybody doesn't know this. So that's why I'm preaching this message today. That's why there's so much confusion, legalism, gracelessness, faithlessness because of the friction of not getting it. And I want us to get it today. See, the implication of him saying until, there's something there that says, you know, there's kind of this implication that the Old Testament and the prophets are going to disappear. He says this, None of it, any means will disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. In other words, until everything is in place, then it will disappear along with everything associated with it. Do you know that his words were prophetic? And 40 years later, the Jewish way of religion will go out of business. On August the 6th, listen to this, on the very day, August the 6th, 70 AD, at the hands of Titus and the 10th Roman Legion, Judaism went out of business because they came into Jerusalem and they tore down the temple and the Judeas or the Jews had to worship at the temple. Jesus was born under God's covenant with Israel. 
He came into the world to fulfill it. But listen, to end it and then to replace it. When you begin to meditate on this message today in the journey from the, the introduction of Jesus into the time that he was resurrected from the being crucified into the ascension into heaven, you'll begin to understand that it's a new day. It's, it's not, we're going to take what's old and fix it. You know, th this was something that the church had a hard time in, in, in getting. It, it had a hard time in embracing, and it still does. But but in the next part of the passage, just to make it clear, six times Jesus comes in and says, whoa, 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 just a minute. You have heard this, but I say this. You know the passage. When I read it, you'll understand in Matthew chapter 5 where he goes like this. You have heard that it was said, do not murder. See, that's in the law and the prophets. But what I'm saying is, don't even hate. See, you've heard don't commit adultery. I say don't even lust. You know, under Moses, he said that if you had a problem with your wife, you could give him a certi certificate of divorce. Well, I'm saying not so fast. It's a new day. And I'm, I'm sure that they begin to think, well, wait just a minute. Who are you? See, they, they love the message of the, you know, the loaves and the fish day. You know, big day on Sunday. Look, give me some more of that. But this, what? See, Moses was the lawgiver. He's the guy that we've practically been worshiping. And now you're coming to say that you're greater than Moses? Can anybody here know that that would have caused a little turmoil in the land? Especially of the Jews? And then Jesus begins to preach something that is almost... It's so less complicated, but it's so much more demanding. When he says this, so in everything, do to others what you would love them to do to you. For this sums up all the law and the prophets. Matthew chapter 7 verse 28 says, When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowd were amazed at his teaching. Listen to this. Because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. See, all of a sudden they begin to look at him and they go, what is he's teaching with authority? And if you read on, you'll begin to see that they begin going, hey, how about Moses? What about Moses? And then they begin going, hey, how about the temple? You like the temple? And Jesus, I don't know. This is just my take because you read the context and, and writing doesn't always have emotions in it. We don't have the exclamations that was in the Greek and anything. But but I have to just wonder if the day that someone, hey, Jesus, look at the temple. Isn't it great? And he has to turn and he goes, okay. <laughs> okay. Let me just tell you, someone greater than the temple is right here with you. Now for us, again, years and years later, we just go, wow, yeah, we know that he's greater than the temple. But that was like throwing a hand grenade in the middle of their belief system. Whoa, now? The temple? 
That represents the presence of God. And if you're talking about there's someone greater, and if you're talking about you, you're, talking, you're telling us that the temple is not necessary? That, that's everything that we have. That's who we are. I tell you that someone greater than the temple is here. See, this morning, is this important to us? Because here's what I do know is, is it important to a, a 10th grader that goes to high school and he's got upperclassmen that are going, you one of those Bible thumpers? And Let me hit you in the eye. Will you quote the scripture, an eye for an eye? And, Is it important to a, maybe a daughter that her family doesn't serve God and they're saying, we just don't get that. The Old Testament, the New Testament. And, and we, we try to put together and, and so many of us have tried so hard to say, you know, that there, there's a part from, you know, Exodus all the way to Malachi that, that, that you, but pastor, you're telling me there was a shelf life on that? And I'm telling you, yes. Because Jesus came to fulfill the law. He came to say, you know what? I'm bringing something new. We, we believe that our covenant, our covenant, us today, have a better covenant than those of old. But there's something about it that we try, we try our best to slip back into the old covenant. I'm telling you that Jesus came to give us a better covenant. A covenant that wakes up in the morning and even though that we might not have been all that, that we can be forgiven today. That we realize that our Savior came not to go, go get another lamb. You messed up. But to say, I've come to give you life to the full, to the abundant. You can go further than what you are right now. That there's hope for us. See, a lot of times we've been taught that there is no conflict. And let me tell you, there, there's nothing more encouraging to John Miller than reading this, the, the stories of the Old Testament and how God worked in the lives of His people. I'm not tell, talking about any of that being wrong. But when we come to the place where we've been taught that there is no conflict with the Old Testament and the New Testament, Jesus said, I've come that that would be complete. Today is a new day. Is sometimes something that we go, you know what, I, I don't know. We've been taught that the, the Old Testament can be a guide for our life. And Jesus says, I want you to teach what I've told you. Now, now watch this. This is something to chew on. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Follow me. He continually said that, unmistakably clear, this is what I want you to do. When we fast forward to the ascension, when Jesus leaves the believers and the disciples, in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, now think about this. 
And and I've I've said this before. How could Jesus, after just three years, trust these guys that Peter, that has put his foot in his mouth more than not. And they're fighting about who's the greatest in the kingdom. And they missed the whole point. Thomas is saying, I don't even believe it's you. Even though Jesus had been telling him that that was going to happen. When Jesus is leaving and what he leaves us. Listen to what he says. In Matthew 28, 18, he says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, when, when, when somebody says that, it's almost like, are you? that's pretty audacious. But somebody that prophesied his death and resurrection and now is coming off of the ground, I, I'm pretty sure I believe it. He's saying, I'm not Moses. I'm not the law. And I'm sure that rattled those people that were believers that were Jews. But they had seen him die and now resurrected. And all they could think is, is what he had probably been telling them. All your life you've been taught. God, please just secure our borders and expel the foreigners. Secure the borders and expel the foreigners. And now I've come to tell you something. Something that's revolutionary. I want you to go into all the world and I want you to baptize them. And and we know the rest. The name of the what? There had to be someone left out that the people are going, what about about Moses? What what about David? He's always mentioned. What, What about now? Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Do you know who them in this passage is? You and I. Aren't you glad that they didn't say, well, we'll baptize and tell Jews. But we're not going to tell the Gentiles. That, That wasn't his word. He says, I want you to do everything that I have commanded you. And let me encourage you, don't miss a week that's coming on this series. But what I want you to know today is Christianity can stand on its own two nail-scarred, resurrected feet. It, It can stand by itself. And when somebody is trying to confuse a believer into believing that it can't because of the Old Testament all that... You have to realize as a believer that the old is gone and now is the New Testament for you and I. As I was praying and and doing this message and studying this message, I think that to some extent, to some people, this is where the wall is. This is the obstacle of their growth in, in God. And a lot of it is because of somebody telling you there is no grace for you. You've already crossed that line. And that becomes that invisible voice inside of you talking to you saying, you're done. Oh, you might go through the motions and you might come to church. You, you might even feel at times there's some people that feel like they're doing okay. And they become super righteous. And then they begin to look at other people and go, well, you're not going to make it. 
And again, what I'm telling you is that's the old. Today is the New Testament. And today is the new covenant. Today is a better covenant for you and me. And on this journey that we're going through in 90 days of the sermon series, for you and I to begin to walk in a light, hopefully you've walked in this before this sermon. This sermon is to remind you of who you are and what Christ did for you on the cross. And not to take it for granted, not to say, well, I'm glad because, you know, I, I, I carry all this. Com- Today is a new day. And as we go through this series, I want you to begin to study these passages for yourself. Begin to allow the Holy Spirit to customize each one of these sermons for you. Will you do that for me? Let's pray. Father, today as we are reminded of your goodness. And Father, just as the, the, the maybe the, the kickback that the early church in hearing these things did and, and, and how they began to try to reason and how they tried to put the old and with the new and mingle it together and, and how they kind of tried to come up with something that was kind of a hybrid. And God, you said no. That today was a new day. That today is the new covenant that I give you. And Father, as we take the Lord's Supper next week and as we actually do the process of taking the bread as your body, the the cup as your blood, that we are reminded that it is a new day. It's a new covenant for your believer, your child. And God, we are so thankful for that. In your name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.